raise a visor to the Jazz's new advisor. Dennis Lindsay moves to an advisory role with the Jazz front office and to owner Ryan Smith in his basketball operations after being in charge since 2012. We'll get into that on this off-season podcast of Round Ball Roundup on utahjazz.com. I'm JP Chunga. Bobby Marks, ESPN's front office guru, he's going to join us to talk about the offseason for this team, what it means for Dennis Lindsay to transition out of his main role, and how simple this offseason could go for this team. Because there's really only one big move to expect, and we'll talk about it with Bobby Marks. But first, have to, have to give the flowers to Dennis Lindsay with what he's done. And just consider this for the younger listeners out there. I've only known only a handful of people in charge of the Jazz. Larry H. Miller, it's Gail Miller, it's Ryan and Ashley Smith, ownership-wise. And then on the operations side, it's been Scott Layden, Kevin O'Connor, Dennis Lindsay. That's stability. So when you see this happen, this transition, it just doesn't happen here. It's so foreign. But this is an interesting time. I mean, how many would have thought Dwayne Wade would be at a jazz game courtside and he'd be cheering on Utah and not Miami? I know I never thought that could have happened, but it did. And with Dennis, you have to give that man his flowers for what he did for this organization, establishing the culture, jazz DNA. We've had fun on this podcast with that particular phrase, but it is something I don't know what the molecular structure is. I don't know what is in the DNA fabric, but it established a culture where this team last season was the number one team in the Western Conference and number one team record-wise for the entire league. He built that up. He was instrumental in that. The drafting of Rudy and Donovan. Rudy picking the right guy who would be self-motivated enough to make himself into the defensive player of the year going through a rebuild. This was most definitely an old-school operation with basketball people being very gut-based to where Dennis took it, which is involving analytics, expanding how they think about basketball. He is a very talented basketball mind. He came from the video room where you're giving coaches scouting reports, splicing video clips for them, of every pick and roll that a team had run. He rose to the ranks to the highest office, and his reputation in the league is top class. So what he's done there, drafting Rudy, drafting Donovan, who is the perfect face of the franchise, a guy who is a celebrity in the commercials for Spider-Man, has a signature shoe, came at the right time as Gordon Hayward left for Boston, He could have seen that rebuild that culminated in the playoffs crumble at that moment, and he still got it towards the direction that it is right now with this Donovan Rudy roster trading for Mike Conley, doing moves to get this team better and get it to the right position. I'm pretty sure it was a Woj pod where I heard this about his three cornerstones for when he was building this team or rebuilding it. And they were defense, discipline, and development, along with not skipping steps and having jazz DNA. But those tenants 
are exactly how he got this going in the right direction from those post-Darren Williams, Carlos Boozer years. It was by getting a top-five defense, being disciplined enough to follow the plan that they had, and developing a 27th pick into a three-time defensive player of the year. And developing coaches. Igor Kokoshkov getting his shot. Johnny Bryant being an associate head coach with the Knicks. The development has been so key to what the Jazz have done. And Dennis Lindsay gets full credit of that. A man that I'm sure if you drill down to it, has Jazz DNA. So as we go into Justin Zanuck as the main basketball decision maker for this team, consider how simple this offseason is going to be. Him and David Morway. Morway, the cap expert, Justin Zanuck. You could go back into my takes on radio when this transition happened where Dennis would be the bigger picture and Justin Zanuck would be day-to-day back in 2019. I was just happy that Justin Zanuck is in the room where it happens. Hamilton style, that's one person that I wanted in there. So bright, great communicator. He has an offseason where he has to figure out what's going to happen with Mike Conley. All-star point guards aren't growing on trees, and with the way that the salary cap is lining up for Utah, they're probably going to be in the luxury tax if they bring back Mike Conley, explaining that upward to the ownership group, that's going to be pivotal in his job as well. So it's a simple offseason. Justin Zanuck is another guy with a great reputation across the league. Bobby Marks will get into it, but Justin was up for a big job with Milwaukee. He should have gotten it. That's an entirely different story. Passed over, comes back here, and now he's the guy. And he's got a draft, free agency, and a trade season to do it. We'll see what it does. We'll have a couple podcasts over this offseason leading into the draft as Utah has the number 30 pick. And after the draft, there's the after party. And after the after party, there's Vegas Summer League, Salt Lake Summer League as well, nightlife. Then a month off, and bang, we're back into the season. Training camp starts. This is a 12-month job, and we'll keep you updated on Roundball Roundup on utahjazz.com. Make sure you let others know that you're listening to the podcast. Five stars, nice reviews. That's all I ask of you. Please enjoy my conversation with Bobby Marks. We started off talking about how Dennis Lindsay's tenure will be remembered. You know, when Dennis took over, it was kind of in a transition period, right? Um, as far as, you know, Kevin had been there for a long time. It was kind of that uh, post-Darren Williams era, I guess, as far as how do you retool the roster and not like basically hit, you know, the bottom um, that we've seen a lot of teams do. And how do you kind of retool, rebuild, and kind of be competitive, right? That's the end goal is to try to be competitive while maybe taking a little bit of a step back. But, I mean, you look at what the foundation is in place right now with um, certainly drafting Donovan and drafting Rudy. Um, signing Bojan in free agency, um, Joe Ingles, Royce O'Neal. Um, you know, those are his guys. You know, he's got his fingerprints all over um, all over this roster. And, you know, certainly for a team that's had the best regular season record, and we all know that it was a disappointment how it, how it ended, um, you know, in the playoffs. But, I mean, Dennis should be credited for a lot of, of how this team is right now. And, when you kind of hand the baton off, you always want to have the structure and, and good footing. 
uh, I would say it's in beyond good footing right now, as far as kind of where we're, um, you know, with Justin, we kind of now, in, now in charge and, um, and I, but I've been through it, you know, I've been through with ownership and whenever you have ownership comes in, there is a transition period. Right. I mean, that's just, just, I saw it in, um, when Mikhail Prokhorov took over in Brooklyn in 2010, you know, Rod Thorne had been there for a while, but there was a transition period going from Rod Thorne to, you know, Billy King. I've been through a lot of different ownership changes and, um, you know, with, with, uh, with Ryan Smith, you know, basically had a year to evaluate and figure out kind of what works, what doesn't work. How do we maybe tweak things? How do we, how do we maybe change things a little bit here? Um, put a, maybe a fresh coat of paint on, on different things. And, um, but my, my, um, impression on what Dennis has done has is tremendous. I mean, um, this team will be good again, if not great next year. And we'll see what happens as far as what Mike's free agency. But um, if you're a jazz fan, you can't be, uh, you can't be upset as far as what he has, he is leaving you uh, with this roster. How difficult is it to go through a rebuild and then see on the other side, haven't even mentioned like in 2017, when he sees one of his franchise cornerstones leave in free agency and they're still going to the playoffs. How difficult is that to see a rebuild almost have a mini re-rebuild uh, in 2017 and still have success on the other side. Well, I mean, I think you're seeing it right now in, in Orlando, right? Like I always, um, and I have the, I actually have the Magic's article out today. Um, and one thing I talk about is sustainable success, right? That's the end goal for every team is how, to, how do you have sustainable success when you do hit a little bit of a, um, a bump in the road where you don't basically have to tear it back down. You know, like Orlando hadn't made the playoffs in, I don't even know, eight years. And then they get two years of first round exits. It's a little bit of success. And now we're, they're back to kind of square one, right? Like that's not how you want to kind of build out a roster. And um, they've had, uh, Utah's had sustainable success because there's a foundation in place, right? You know who kind of who your pillars are where now you can plug in uh, Jordan Clarkson or Derek Favor, some of the guys you've acquired in trade or, um, you know, signed as a free agency. Certainly Derek had been there before um, to match what Donovan and, um, and, and what Rudy could do here. And I think the hardest part from any front office um, is to have is the patient game, right? Sometimes along the way, you do want to maybe skip steps of retooling, right? Like there's a, maybe there's a trade out there where you're going to sacrifice a two first round picks and it can move the needle, maybe get you five or six more wins, right? But at the end of the day, it's going to set you two years from now. And when that player becomes a free agent or if he's older. Um, and that's the big thing that, that Utah has not done. I mean, even with the, the trade of Mike, the, the trade of Mike Conley is, you know, they, what they sacrificed at the time. But they knew going in that eventually Rudy was going to be um, extension eligible. Donovan was going to be extension eligible. There was going to be a cost associated with it as far as, re-signing Mike. It wasn't like they woke up one morning and said, oh my God, we're against the luxury tax. We can't sign Mike Conley. No, they realized that when they made the trade with um, with Memphis a few years ago here. But yeah, it's, I always, I've, I've written it a couple of times this off season um, and I've said it out loud. Is like building a roster is humbling. Like it is a humbling experience because what you think is really good sometimes is, is good, but maybe not championship level good or maybe you're missing that one piece to kind of um, to get you through it. And 
You know, it's funny. I was watching when Utah was playing the Clippers in game six, um, the game they lost. Um, there was a shot of Dennis under the basket um, during when, like, the roof is caving in on you, right? Like, they showed uh, the front office was sitting under the basket, and you kind of and you felt for them because it's the most helpless feeling you can have. When you build a roster and a team like the Clippers go on this run, you're up 25 and going into the half, you think you're getting a game seven. And then all of a sudden, man, the wheels fall off and it's just snowballing and you have no control over it at all. Um, and it's a humbling, it is a humbling experience. And I saw Dennis's you know, face sitting behind there and, and you just felt for him because because you've been there before what you thought was the perfect roster going into the postseason that had the best regular season record, you know, fell a little bit short. Um, and I always say kind of don't make rash decisions, take, take a couple of weeks off as far as how you evaluate what you have and kind of what you went through. But um, going back to your question though, but yeah, it is, it's the patient game, you know, like sometimes when you lose losses accumulate, you want to wave the white flag, right? You want to wave the white flag and go, I don't want to be in the lottery anymore. I want to be a seven seed, right? But three years from now, you might be back to that same spot because you probably made some some risk, you know, risk trades that didn't work out. And for executives, it's so interesting to get into their mindset because they're thinking short-term, long-term, short-term. They're on multiple timelines of their life where you have to consider the draft, free agency, how can you acquire a new player via trade? The mechanisms to improve your team are all around you at all times, seemingly, that it's not a normal job that you can think for just an everyday person. Well, now, especially how the season is, right? Yeah. We always said that August is, August is like, we always said August is the time we get married and have kids, right? Yeah. <laughs> like that was always, right? Mike Conley yeah. in the bubble playoffs last season. And now, I mean, the, well, we're going to have the draft on July 29th. We're going to yep. have free agency start right after. I mean, we're going to be in, talking about training camp in no time here. Maybe next offseason we get back to some type of, of normalcy. But, man, it is a, it's a grind. You know, certainly there are teams that maybe don't have to do as much work. I mean, I think with Utah, there's probably just a couple tweaks here. But there are some teams out there that are basically, you know, got, are sitting on $60 million in cap space this summer and have to basically reshape their whole whole roster. And um, But it never ends. I mean, it never ends. I mean, like, just look at, you know, the Kemba Walker trade a couple of weeks ago from yep. Boston to Oklahoma City. Like, that trade never happens this time of year. That's it. That's equivalent of the of a mid-May trade, right, because of how we're on this, this, this time schedule right now. Basically, we're pushed back a month with everything. And... For that to happen was like, whoa, like that was like a major league wake up call that teams are usually inactive until after the lottery and figuring out where their roster is, where the draft's going to maybe mid June, we start to see something AD, we saw it a couple years ago. Um, but yeah, it's a, um, it's a 12 month job now. Um, and there's just different, there's just different layers to it. You know, the draft for agency, then it's roster maintenance, setting your, your training camp. You know, and then hopefully you get to training camp and then, you know, Quinn's out there coaching these guys and you're watching and be like, man, you take a deep, you know, in deep breath, right? Like, yeah, this roster is not too bad that we put together. But, you know, funny story. I remember, um, you know, when, we, when I was in Brooklyn, we made the, you know, the Pierce Garnett trade and um, in 2013. 
And then we wound up signing here Andre Karolinko and Andre Blotch and um, Alan you, you know, like our roster, I was like, on paper, we're like, man, this is like stacked, right? And then we go into Duke at camp and our first team scrimmages our second and our second team like blows them out of the building. And you're thinking like, the honeymoon is over, right? Like the honeymoon is over. Like now we're, now here is reality. And that is a helpless feeling as far as what you think is good on paper is maybe just average because you don't have that many more moves to do. Fortunately for Utah, I think what's good on paper is, is really good. It, I mean, it's really good. I know, as I said, it's not how you want it to, to end, but I think you'll do self-evaluation as far as if they haven't done it already, what went wrong in that Clipper series, you take a little bit of a deep uh, step back and now you evaluate as far as what you can add there. Justin Zanuck's going to be the major basketball decision maker for the team. And with his lieutenant, David Morway, who's the cap guy and expert in that sort of field, uh, what is their reputation amongst the rest of the league? I've known Justin for a long time, so long that I remember when he was begging me to get his guys in for draft workouts when he was an agent back in the day <laughs> and stuff like that. And, uh, oh, man, he's a great guy, special guy, honest, right? That's all you want, honesty, um, upfront. Um, when you're dealing with teams, when you're dealing with your own roster, um, whether it be trade speculation, um, you've got to have a communication, um, how he treats his staff. Um, you know, so you mentioned, uh, David, I've known David for a long time, you know, way back when he was in Indiana. Um, yeah. and, uh, we, I have a good relationship with both guys to the point where, you know, pre COVID I had the opportunity to come out and spend in, you know, a couple of days during training camp with, uh, with this group, just kind of picking their brain and they picked my brain and it was, it was tremendous. Um, so I think they're going to, I think they're going to continually doing a, a great job. I think Dennis laid the foundation as far as their principles, as far as their work ethic, as far as what the blueprint is going forward so they can have sustainable uh, success. I mean, uh, Justin has been um, wooed by a lot of teams in the last few years as far as um, that had openings at one time and has, you know, certainly has a lot of loyalty to this, this jazz franchise. And um, when you wear the losses on your sleeve and it, it bothers you, that's a good thing. When you when the losses don't bother you anymore, then I think that's something um, you know that that probably has to be addressed. But uh, I know the losses bother both men, and um, and they're you know they're in it. Uh, they're gonna jump right into the deep end this off season and, and figure out as far as what what works, what doesn't make sense, um, and how do you kind of tweak tweak this uh, this roster. It's a pretty simple off season outlook, as you wrote on ESPN dot com for the jazz it's mike conley will he return what what's the future for him what is the market beyond just utah for a mike conley an all-star level uh point guard yeah it's funny um usually these off-season articles were between like 2500 to 3000 words and when i sent it into my editor i called him and i said i'm just giving you a warning we're only at like 1600 words because it's like, there's really not much. I'm, you know, you, you, as I said, like all the, a lot of the heavy lifting was done in, um, in November, December, right. Donovan's extension, Rudy's extension, right. Like I didn't have to write about that. The regular fall off season, you know, when the off season usually occurs fall. That's that, that, that's right. Just a regular off season. So, but Mike's, 
Mike's interesting because he's coming off an all-star year, had some injuries, right? Last couple of years, as far as the hamstrings here, when he's been on the court, this team is really, really good here. Um, if you don't bring them back, there's not a 20, you don't have a, get a $25 million slot, right? Because of how your finances are. So you're over the cap, you know, you basically would have probably one of your smaller exceptions, probably the 5.9. And then you're relying on a lot of Donovan at point guard. I mean, that's the reality of it. The market for Mike is interesting because it's a point guard heavy free agent class. When you look at it, when you look at guys like Mike, Kyle Lowry, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, Dennis Schroeder, what one of those guys goes off the board, not signing with their own team, right? Like, so if I give an example of, if Spencer Dinwiddie signs in uh, Dallas, right, to play with Luca, okay, now we take the, Mar- the Mavericks off the board here. And there's only, from a cap space perspective, there's, I think, five or six teams that have room. Charlotte, do they need a point guard? I don't think so. San Antonio's got, um, you know, they've got Deontay Murray and, and you know, Derek White as kind of their guards. Um, Oklahoma City, probably not a, a fit for Mike based on their rebuilding timetable. New York is intriguing, right? Kind of where they are, they need a point guard. Uh, the Heat are another team that, um, that needs a, you know, probably needs a point guard. Um, and then, um, as I mentioned, you know, team like, um, team like Dallas, you know, everyone has been talking about Chicago. You know, Chicago is a team that needs a point guard, but don't, they don't have the room to go out and do it. So how do you go out and is it, you know, letting players go? Is it Laurie marketing? So um, it's not an, it's not an off season like we saw in 2016, where like 28 out of 30 teams are sitting there with cap space, right? The cap is only going to go up 3% from 109 to 112. So we're basically staying flat. So that makes it look like there's less spending out there. Um, he's unrestricted. So it's not like you can say, go out and get an offer and come back, right? So I do think you have to take somewhat of an you know, aggressive, but not in, in an overpay position um, to bring him back because I do believe this is a win now team, right? I think they're, I, I don't, although Rudy and, and Donovan are still young, like I always, I hate it when people say, well, well, the window is so open. You know, like the window is, is open for this team to have be good for the long haul. And I'd be like, yeah, it is, but, Look what happened with like like people were saying about Denver. Jamal Murray goes down, and then all of a sudden it's like the, the team that was a you know team that had a chance to go to the NBA Finals is like now we're giving them credit for getting to the second round, right? So I think you have to be careful when you say that the window is open because you have young players on this roster, or if Donovan's on a starting his rookie extension and he's got five years left, you've got to be careful with that. So um, you know for Mike, I do think it's a priority to bring him back. Um, I think, as I said, two years ago, when they made that trade, um, they knew that this, this day was coming. I thought he had, you know, certainly his first year in Utah, there was a lot of, um, ups and downs played great in the bubble. Um, I thought he had a great year this year. I thought he finally got a a comfort level and it's, I think we all forget when you're at a place for so long and then you get traded, there is an adjustment period, right? Like there's like, if I'm going to go work at a different company, it is going to take me a little bit of a while to to kind of get used to uh, my surroundings. And and probably the best player in the first round series against the Grizzlies for this yeah, team. He definitely. Yep. I agree. Totally. And he can, you know, the hard part is that, and you know, Donovan has showed that he can play point guard is that 
you want, if, if Donovan's your best point, how much is he exerting on the offensive end where he's, he's got the ball in his hand all the time. Um, his usage rate is probably going through the roof. Um, he's going to have to defend on the other end. So like, like what's the wear and tear on Donovan Mitchell going to be like when we get to game 75. Um, so that's where the priority of bringing Mike back is, is, is high just because um, he has he had a great year and there's really no replacement out there. There's not that young um, first round pick that you drafted two years ago, Shea Gilders, Alexander waiting in the bullpen to kind of come up. This is kind of the, you know, the situation you're in. Well, and this is what you touched on just a, a second ago. If they don't bring back Mike Conley, all you have is that the taxpayer mid-level and it is going to be a, a small number. You're not going to get the same production for what that is that you have available to you. Yeah, I mean, you you know, like campaign in um, Phoenix has been a great story on a minimum, right? He was, he's on a minimum contract yeah. this year. But like, like, did we all think that was going to be the case when he signed him, though? Right? Like, you know, that's a guy who bounced around a lot of teams here. So you're looking at those type of like, you know, TJ McConnell would be a great Band-Aid, right? But I don't mm-hmm. think TJ McConnell's market is 5'9". I think it's higher than that. He's probably more towards the, the mid-level here. So that's that's where you go bargain shopping, and it's it's hard to put a um, – to go bargain shopping when you're the team that just finished with the best record in the, in the league and you're looking for a starting point guard. What is that conversation up with an ownership group yeah. if Mike comes back? you're going to be paying a pretty hefty luxury tax bill. Yeah. So you had a little bit of a taste of that this year, right? They are in the, uh, the tax. Um, fortunately though, and I think it's going to work out next year also is that because of COVID and because of revenue coming in um, low, lower than what we all had pr- projected, um, there is a, a, a tax break that teams are going to get here. So if you're paying a $5 million luxury tax bill, maybe it's only 2.5 million. So there is a little bit of a significant um, reduction based off projected revenue coming in and declining. I think, I think it's all about educating your ownership group as far as how to luxury tax when you go in, how it eliminates some of the resources you have to build your roster, right? So you're in a luxury tax. Now you can't acquire a player in a signing trade. Um, Now you have a smaller exception instead of the 9.5, you have the $5.9 million dollars. When you get into, um, you know, are we going to be allowed to carry 15 players? Um, do we keep an open roster spot? If we have to make a trade in the middle of the year, are you comfortable as far as from a cost standpoint? Um, a lot of different factors. Um, winning solves answers a lot of those questions. Um, when when I was in Brooklyn, you know, we had a high luxury tax bill and. Um, you know, the first year we lost in the first round. The second year we got to the second round. But we were very different than where Utah is because we've kind of, we kind of there was no upside to the roster here, and that's why you you have ownership say, all right, well I'm okay with spending, but not at this level, right? Because what happens is that when the season's over, for one thing, you're not getting it. Um, a distribution back from the teams that are um, that are in the tax. So if Utah was under the luxury tax, you're getting money back, a couple million dollars. So that goes out the window. The second thing is that um, I always joke about it is that when you pay the tax, it's not like you're paying college tuition and you're paying in installments, right? Like 
here's your wiring instructions. Here you go, right? Here you can wire ninety million dollars to this, uh, you know, to this uh, to this account. So, um, but yeah, it it is. Um, it's all about educating your ownership group as far as the luxury tax is not as dreaded as it once was. Um, the luxury tax is dreaded if you are a team like Golden State coming into this offseason when you are a repeater tax. Okay, right. so if you're a repeater tax and you're in the in it so it's four out of five years instead of paying 40 million dollars in, in a luxury tax bill now you're paying 80 million dollars instead of signing kelly Oubre for 15 million dollars he's going to cost you 70 million dollars when you consider the luxury tax that's where the luxury tax is very um you know that's that's where it's it's, it's significant i think you can get by on it year to year um the big question is where is this roster three years from now, four years from now, from a um, from a uh, you know repeater tax uh, standpoint. And you're on this. What is the outlook for the next couple of years for this team with Rudy and Donovan as their two cornerstones and the couple of playoff runs that they've had with this team last year against Denver, this year against the Clippers ending? What is the outlook for this team long term when it comes to the postseason? Well, I mean, I call them team continuity, right? Like there's nothing wrong with continuity, the continuity factor where you bring back the same group here. We'll see what they do in the draft. We'll see what they do in free agency and those, with those bargain shopping. But as I've said, like your foundation is in place, like Rudy and, and Donovan Bojan's got a couple more years left. We'll see what happens with Mike Royce has got uh, a few more years left. And Joe's going to be on an expiring here. Jordan just signed that contract. Um, so your, your core, you know, your six, you know, Derek's had a couple more years. And um, I, I wrote this in Minnesota's article, Gerson Rosas, who's their head of basketball operations. And he said like, to be a great team in this league, you have to have eight or nine like NBA level guys. Then you can build out your back end with like some developmental projects here. I mean, you look at the Utah roster, there's, I, I think we can call, count eight or nine guys on that team as far as, you know, when you go, when you get past your five and you got Clarkson and, and you got favors, um, you know, guys like that. So they're going to be up there in, within the top three or top four. But as you know, it's all about catching breaks, right? catching breaks it's staying healthy when you get to the postseason um some certainly matchups help i think this coaching staff will watch this clipper or have already watched this clipper film and figure out like what went right what went wrong and make sure it never happens again um but this is not an overhaul this is not a retooling or rebuilding because you lost in the second round despite you know having the best record in the, in the league well, we always appreciate having him on, and we look forward to catching him on the draft coverage as that's coming just around the quarter on these very short NBA off-seasons. It's Bobby Marks, ESPN front office insider, Round Ball Roundup on UtahJazz.com. Bobby, thank you so much for taking the time. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. 